Welcome back to After Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy. We're going to be talking to Dan Kelly. He's taking on Derek Brunson next week. He's finally ranked in the top 15. He just beat Rashad Evans. And now we're going to catch up with him on Half the Battle. And then we're joined by the number one contender in the UFC flyweight division. I'm talking about Ray Borg. He's coming off a big win over Juicy Formiga. And he's looking to get his title shot against the number one pound-for-pound -pound fighter, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Stick around to see why Ray Borg thinks he's the man to dethrone the great Mighty Mouse. And last but not least, flyweight prospect Devante Sewell. We've had him on half the battle before. This is a kid. He's two and one in his pro career. He went eight and two as an amateur. He's only 21 years old. He's wise beyond his years. And uh, you guys know I'm always looking for that up and coming talent. And I definitely think he's someone that you guys need to keep your eyes on. First up, Dan Kelly. Here we go. Joining me now is Dan Kelly. Dan, welcome back to half the battle. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got it any time. So, obviously, you're coming off the big win over Rashad Evans. I mean, this is a guy that beat Chuck Liddell, beat Forrest, beat Bisbing. He's beat everyone. He's coached the reality show. He's won the belt. He's done everything. What's it like to get a win over a legend like Rashad on your resume? Uh, awesome. Absolutely. It's a massive win for me. Biggest win in my career by far. Um, I think I was I was lucky to get him at a good time. You know, he'd had a layoff. It was his first cut down to a... Uh, Middleweight had a couple of um, false starts with getting clearance from um, different commissions. So massive, massive win for me. But yeah, a good time to fight him, I think. It was a good time to fight him, but I'll tell you what, the kind of shape he was in for him to have to make 185 pounds, he had to take that very seriously. Yeah, absolutely. He was shredded. He was absolutely shredded. He looked really good. That's why I hope he carries on and continues because I think he's still he can still fight at a high level, I think. Now, was that just a matter of rising to the occasion? Because, I mean, that's the best, as far as I'm concerned, that you've ever looked inside the octagon. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, everything fell, fell into place. A couple of little tricks that, uh, that I had on my sleeve worked really well against him, but he was really hard to take, get, take down. He's so athletic and he's like a cat springing back up again. But, yeah, no, everything fell into place well that night. Now, when you talk about some of these tricks, are you at all referring to, you know, trapping the hands and throwing that straight left down the pipe? Yeah, absolutely. And also the uh, trip with the um, trip with my right foot as well. That unsettled him a lot also. Yeah, was that surprising to get that on a, you know, such a high caliber wrestler? Or did you did you have something up your sleeve coming into there that you knew you were going to be able to take him down like that? Um, no, I thought uh, a lot of the wrestlers... You can trick them with your feet a little bit. I mean, being a, having a judo background, that that can be um, that can be beneficial. But uh, no, I, it worked better than I thought it would. Especially, I mean, luckily I linked it well with my punches. But um, but yeah, I thought it worked really, really well. Well, Dan, it's not just a feel-good story anymore. I mean, you're ranked in the top 15 now. You're taking on a top 10 contender in Derek Brunson. I mean, how are you feeling about your current uh, state of careers right now? <laughs> it's going. <laughs> going pretty well at the moment isn't it um i oh, look it's about what we're a week and a half out from from the fight so yeah, just the normal nerves and normal getting ready to go kind of stuff but yeah everything's going really well and if i can win this one then who knows who knows where we can go yeah absolutely now as far as the matchup's concerned i mean we know the deal Derek brunson he's athletic he's explosive now i've seen two different versions of Derek brunson i've seen the guy that goes in there and blitzes people as you saw in besides the silva fight the five fights prior to that and i've also seen the safe version of Derek brunson like he did against chris lieben and against anderson silva are you basically prepared for both versions absolutely 100 percent um 
Well, look, we'll know within the first three minutes which Brunson it's going to be anyway, because if he tries to blow me out of the water, we'll, we'll know that straight away. And yeah, we've we've uh, we've accounted for both versions. Put it that way. Definitely. Now, I mean, you've watched the tape. I'm sure you noticed the chin in the air when he does the blitz. I'm sure you know everything, right? So you're feeling pretty confident going into this matchup? Absolutely. Look, it'll be a hard fight. He, he hits really hard, like a Mack truck. His wrestling's good. Um, but, yeah, he, there, there are some things. I don't know that he's, uh, his striking's powerful and strong. I don't know that it's as technical as, say, Rashad's was, but I think he definitely hits harder and has got more knockout. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Now, Dan, it's no surprise. Look, you're 6-1 in the UFC. In all of those fights, you've been the underdog once again. And I ask you this every single time you're on the show. You're the underdog again. I mean, at this point, is it just, you know, you're going to call your friends and be like, look, you know, lay down a lot of money on those amazing odds on Dan Kelly. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm underdog again. I expect to be. But, <laughs> but, yeah, I think some people have made some decent money off me. They did some kind of stat leading into the last fight, that if they bet on me for the last three three or four fights, including the Rashad one, that, that the uh, combined odds are like 100 to 1 or something like that when they do it in a multi-bet. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm underdog again, about 3 to 1. So uh, it's, 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 a normal, it's a normal place for me. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, long-term, if someone were to bet on you in every single UFC fight, including the one setback, you know, all seven UFC fights, you're an underdog in all of them, they'd be up huge. So it's a long-term investment to bet on Dan Kelly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so let me ask you something, man, because a while back, you know, people used to kind of laugh at Australian mixed martial arts, but now you got a guy in Robert Whitaker who's fighting for the title. You're in the top 15. I mean, what, what what's in the water over there, man? You got all these upcoming guys like Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, Australian MMA is looking more promising than ever. Yeah, it is. Um, I think it's just everyone's working works well together in the um in the different cities they're in. I mean, I've done a couple of, done a little bit of training with Rob Whitaker now. He's popped down in Melbourne. We've done some training. We all work together. Um, and yeah, I just think, I think because it's becoming so popular now uh, that we're starting to see some good results. I mean, you've got Tyson Pedro in the top 15 in, uh, in light heavyweight as well. Mark's still, you know, very prominent. And uh, we've got a lot of younger guys coming through. Definitely. So, Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero. I mean, not only is that fight in your weight class, but obviously, you know, the first Australian to challenge for a UFC world title. Firstly, tell me what you think about that matchup, and then tell me what it means to Australia to have one of your own challenging for the UFC world title. I think Rob wins the fight. I think Rob stops him, to be honest. Um, whether whether it be earlier or later, I just think that... Um, Romero just, he's not going to be able to, Rob's so hard to take down, he's so hard to gauge distance on, um, yeah, I think he, he wins it and then he'll, he'll unify the titles when he fights, uh, fights uh, Bisping later on as well, and it's massive for Australian MMA, especially because Rob does it all from here now, like he spent a bit of time over at TriStar earlier on in his UFC career, and now he's back home and he does it all in Sydney, so uh, it's, a, it's a credit to him and his team. Definitely. Now, this weekend, Jose Aldo's taking on Max Holloway. Who do you think has the edge in that fight? Because, I mean, obviously, Aldo, he's the best featherweight of all time. But Max Holloway, I got to tell you what, man. That kid, he's on a 10-fight win streak, and he's looking better than he's ever looked. Yeah, I think Holloway takes it. I think uh, I think Aldo never be the same after the whole McGregor saga. And I think uh, I think Aldo's coming in. Not Aldo, Aldo. 
Uh, Holloway's coming into his own. I think Holloway's got it. And last but not least, John Jones versus DC. I mean, is this simply a case of John Jones having his number, or do you think DC can uh, hand John Jones his first ever official defeat? Um, hard to say. It'll all come down to how much rust John Jones has got. I think he'll be very motivated for the fight, considering they hate each other. Uh, if he's if he fights like he did against OSP, I think uh, I think Cormier's got him. Well, Dan, it's going down for you next Sunday, for us next Saturday. If it were up to you, how would this fight go down with you and Derek Brunson? Uh, I stop him in the uh, second or third round. I think I think that's 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 a possibility. I mean, I've had a few decisions lately, but I mean, the longer the fight goes, I think I've shown that the better it is for me. So yeah, I think uh, I think we'll look at a second second or third round stoppage. Well, we're very much looking forward to it, as always. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now in Half the Battle. Let the audience know where they can follow you and anything else you want to tell the fans. Go ahead. Uh, awesome. Yeah, follow me at uh, on Twitter, Dan Kelly Judo, Instagram, Daniel Kelly Judo. Uh, thank my sponsors, MA1, Fight Life, Manto, Clean Cut Foods, uh, Hillbilby Food Culture. Gee, I've... I'm not sure of anyone else now, but I hope I haven't forgotten anyone. Our old man strength. But yeah, no, thank you very much for having me on. And Dan, one quick little thing before I let you go. How are the young judokas doing? Yeah, not too bad. We're just about to start our, uh, uh, it's a new cycle now after the Olympics. So in the next year or two, we'll see who's going to rise up for the, uh, for the Tokyo 2020. Because qualifying doesn't start for another two years. So they're okay. A lot of hard work to be done. Yes, sir. Well, Dan, thanks again for the time. Best of luck next week. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Joining me now is the number one contender in the flyweight division. I'm talking about Ray Borg. Ray, welcome back to After Battle, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. It's, you know, good to be back on. Oh, you got it, dude. So let's get right down to business. Are you the guy to dethrone the great Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson? I do believe so, man. I feel like I possess a... You know, a certain set of skills that not everybody has in the flyweight division. I bring a totally different type of threat, and, you know, I would, I'll be in his face for 25 minutes. You know, no matter how the fight's taking place, you know, he's, it's going to be completely an all-out war, and I'm not going to stop until, you know, what's, what's you know, around his waist is going to be around my waist. Now, do you feel like this is the exact right time for you to get the title shot? Is it too early? Like, how do you feel about the timing of this? It don't really matter, man. Like most people say timing this, timing that. Most people need time for this, need time for that. I'm a rise to the occasion type guy. I've always been since, you know, since I've made my debut, I show up to whatever fights put in front of me and I ride to that occasion and I have the skill set to possess, you know, the, to be a champion. And I, I truly feel like whoever they put in front of me, I rise to the occasion and I show up, I fight and I beat them. Now, when you watch a fight between Tim Elliott and Demetrius Johnson, I mean, are you just uh, champing at the bit? Are you licking your chops when you see Tim Elliott have success in those early scrambles? Yeah, you know, in those, uh, it, it made me realize that he's vulnerable. Uh, you know, he uh, he really is vulnerable in certain spots. You know, me and my camp have already talked about those vulnerabilities. And not only that, in those scrambles, he, uh, you know, Tim Elliott, I felt like Tim Elliott went in there. I think Tim Elliott could have done a lot better than what he did. I felt like Tim went in there just to do good and just to show he can hang with the champ. And a lot of those scrambled positions, he never really capitalized on them versus me. 
you know, if you catch me in a scramble and I end up on top, you know, I'm going to capitalize on every position. Now, your last fight, man, you go in there against the number three guy on planet Earth, Juicy Formiga. I mean, at one point, Formiga was considered to be the best flyweight on the planet. And, uh, you know, obviously you beat him, but you took the back of Formiga. And one doesn't simply take Formiga's back. When you took his back, were you at all like, dude, I just took Formiga's back? Or were you just thinking, finish the fight? I was just thinking, finish the fight. You know, I... Uh... It doesn't surprise me. I took his back. I have a, a lot of confidence in my scrambling ability and my ability to, you know, end up in the more dominant position during those scrambles. And, you know, I, uh, when I took his back, I, I knew it was a close fight and I knew that final round was going to come down to who wanted it more and who was going to win the fight. So as soon as I got during on that top position, uh, in the third round, I made most of it and I did as much damage as I could possibly do to, uh, to try and end the fight. Now, that fight was in Brazil, man. Obviously, he's the hometown hero. When the fight was done, did you have, without a shadow of a doubt, in your mind that you won that decision? I knew, um, I, I knew that I won the fight. I knew realistically that I won the fight, you know, fair and square. But, you know, everyone's already has seen how judges and things go down in Brazil, you know, when it's a Brazilian fighter. So, you know, in the back of my head, I was real like, damn, you know, I won this fight, but it was, it was close. So, you know, are they going to give it to me? Or are they going to give it to, you know, the Brazilian, like, you know, typical, you know, like the more stereotypical type uh, judges do. And I was a little, uh, like, I was a little bit worried when they said unanimous, because usually in that, in that situation, if, uh, if it's a close fight between a Brazilian and an American, and you hear unanimous, then you know that they got the uh, score wrong. And they gave it to the hometown guy. So I was real, real nervous at first and then you know after that I you know I as soon as they screamed you know they said my name I was you know bursting with confidence and you know I knew I had won the fight but based on how you felt in there you felt like you won that fight oh yeah definitely I felt like you know the first I was landing cleaner I was pressuring him more I was trying more you know to to engage the fight I landed the harder shots and then you know I but it was close going into the first and second or going into the third round, I knew the first and second were close. So I knew I needed that third round, you know, that third round could have very well dictated it. And, you know, he had my back and it was, it was more along the lines of, you know what, I can get out of this position. I know how to scramble out of this position. I've been in this position many times leading up to this. So, you know, I, uh, I, I it became all heart in that third round and I got out of it. And once I got on top, man, I, you know, I told myself before the fight that whether I'm on my back or I'm on top of him, everything I hit him with is going to have bad intentions on it. And, you know, as soon as I got on top, I, I was looking to put a hole in his face. Now, obviously, one of the things that you've wanted to show people is your striking. Now, you took the back of Formiga, which is very, very impressive. But do you feel like this is the best showcase of your striking that we've ever seen? Yeah, you know, I've, I've always had, you know, great boxing abilities, uh, you know. But a lot of my boxing abilities were actually more straight boxing. I spent a lot of time you know, helping a lot of boxers here in New Mexico get ready for their fights and, you know, really just just doing a lot of boxing sparring, trying to help my hands get better. But working with Brandon Gibson and Winkle John, you know, they've really helped take my boxing to the next level and, you know, prepare it for a more MMA fight rather than just a straight boxing match. And I feel like that fight, you know, I, I just decided to let it all go. I mean, I told people before that, you know, people had complained in my previous fights that I did a lot of grappling and, I never minded because I knew how young I was and I knew one day, you know, that my hands were going to start to, 
start to come out and start to fly. And, you know, uh, the last fight was just the beginning, you know, uh, fighting Smolka was just kind of getting my foot in the door. Formiga was just showing people what I can do. And, you know, the next fight I plan to really let these hands go and show people how much damage I can do. Speaking of uh, the Lewis Smolka fight, you know, I spoke to him and you before that fight. He said, this is the death of a prospect. And you go out there, you 30-26 Lewis Smolka. Now, did that fight go how you thought it would? I, def- I, re- I really thought I would have finished him. But, you know, I knew that my scrambling ability and my top pressure was a lot better than what he was used to. I mean, he's real good scrambling with people who like to play that whole roll around type scrambling game. But, you know, not me. I scramble. And I get to that position, and you know I keep it there, and I and I do my best to to finish the fight in every position I can get in. So you move to Jackson's, and that to me is a big sign of maturity because it shows that you're not afraid to advance your career. And maybe other people are, are too loyal to the first gyms they start at, and they're not able to do that kind of thing. But you did that, man, and now you see what direction your career is going in. Is that the best decision you've ever made? I I think so, man. I've I've had to make some really hard decisions in my life. You know, being really young, people don't know that I've been through a lot. I've you know I've I've come from a, uh you know a troubled troubled beginning, and I've had to make decisions hard decisions all my life. And you know, leaving fit was by far one of the hardest decisions I ever made in my life. But I've always been a very smart kid, and not only just a smart kid, very very smart about my career. That's one thing is I've 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 learned my I've learned. I've I've taught myself how to be smart and make the right decisions and it was a very hard decision to do but I you know I knew it was best for me best for my family if I made the switch and you know I'm I'm sure everybody wanted to see me fail because they could have you know they could have said you know what that's what happens when you leave your gym you know you go to another gym and you know that that's just what's going to happen so much for getting better but I think it really you know showed a lot of people that I made the right choice I mean I my game looked a lot better than my last two fights than it ever had. So I think it was the smartest decision I've ever made. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're making huge progress. You're looking better every single fight. Do you feel like it's finally all starting to come together? I think so, man. I think uh, I think my career and my, my skill level is just, you know, excelling. You know, I have great coaches behind me. I got great coaches who care about me. You know, I have, um, you know, my Brandon Gibson will just be, any given day, just super random, like, hey, you know, let's get some work in, and it'll be, you know, off to the gym, and the, the, I feel like that's what's really been helping me get comfortable on my feet and helping my striking game excel, and, you know, I, I, I get to work with uh, such a high-level jiu-jitsu coach as, as uh, Rafael Freitas, and, you know, he's uh, he's a master at, you know, his craft, and he's really been perfecting my jiu-jitsu with my MMA game while keeping it the same, you know, he doesn't want to fix what, you know, fix what's already working so it's you know it's been a great switch and great coaches what do you think the biggest challenge that Demetrius Johnson presents to you is you you know honestly man, I don't think he hits hard uh his striking isn't like the best his speed he has speed and he's you know he's got all that and uh I I don't I don't feel he's faster than me I really don't um you want to know his biggest asset to him is his intelligence inside there He's, you know, he's very smart, very, very smart fighter. He can go in there and fight however he needs to fight to beat an opponent in front of him. It don't matter who, if it's a wrestler or a boxer. I think that's his biggest advantage. I mean, because his striking's good, but it's not like professional boxer or professional Muay Thai level. His wrestling is is good, but it's more timing than anything. And his, you know, his jiu-jitsu is good. I mean, I, 
he's good everywhere, but I feel like I'm also good everywhere. And I think where he really excels in his game is just his intelligence, you know. But I, I have great coaches behind me, and I'm intelligent myself, and I know where I need to take fights or, you know, where where I need to dictate the pace, too. So, you know, I feel like that's why we're such a fun matchup. Were you impressed how he handled and tapped out Wilson Hayes? You want to know something, man? I finally watched that fight not too long ago, and it, I don't want to say it wasn't impressive. I mean, he did tap him out, but it is MMA, man. It's not Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I guarantee you that would have went a whole different way if it was a straight jiu-jitsu match. I've said it for years, you know. People always ask me, hey, Ray, how do I defend against this? Or this guy's a great jiu-jitsu guy. How do I defend against this? And I'm like, you know what? Just punch him in the fucking face. That, that's, <laughs> all, that's all you do against jiu-jitsu guys is you punch him in the face and they can't handle it. And, you know, the thing is, is I watched that fight just to kind of get an idea just in case we fight, you know, DJ, just in case, you know, that fight comes in August. I, I watched that fight from my own knowledge. And, you know, Wilson actually had a good game plan going in. He pressured him a lot. He was using, you know, side-to-side movement, fakes and feints. But he was just too slow, man. Too slow and too slow on the trigger. And DJ was just way faster than so. When he would do all these great movements to set up a punch, that punch would be so slow that DJ was already, you know, out and gone. So, I mean, it was impressive, but it was, you know, it was what everyone expected against against Wilson, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. Now, there was another really good flyweight fight announced for later this year, and that's uh, Sergio Pettis versus Brandon Moreno, man. And obviously, it's a five-round main event. What are your thoughts on that flyweight fight? Because I could see the winner of that challenging uh, the winner of you and DJ. Um, I, I think that's a cool fight. Honestly, I was a little sad when that fight got matched up because, I mean, with the whole TJ wanting the fight against DJ and me wanting the fight against DJ, you know, it's, it's going to come down more to a popularity contest than anything. And you know, TJ's been the champ. TJ's, you know, has a good following. So he's obviously going to win the popular vote. And I think that's just going to come down to it, which is why I was so frustrated when, you know, it was uh, it was announced that TJ might fight DJ. because it's like, okay, cool, whatever. You know, if I have to fight another fight or two more fights, I'm fine with that. But the only two fights I wanted in this whole damn division that would even make sense was either Pettis or Moreno. And I told my manager, my coaches, I was like, hey, if for some reason this DJ fight don't happen, I want Pettis or I want Moreno. And, you know, sure enough, they both get booked together. So I think it's going to be a fun fight. I really do. I I, uh, I don't really I haven't really decided who I'm going to pick to win that one yet, but I think it'll be a fun fight. And it'll, you know, the it's just adding more excitement to the flyweight division. I think this is the first time in, like, years that, you know, the top 10 and the top five is changing, you know. I mean, you had the same guys in the top 10 and top five forever, and now you got some young, hungry guys you know, some new faces. So I, I honestly think the flyweight division is, you know, exciting, more exciting now than it has ever been. No doubt about it, man. Now, you mentioned this popularity contest, and obviously we know that tweet that TJ sent out, which, I mean, I think it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because, like you were mentioning, man, I mean, this is a guy that not only is he a former champion, but he's been on the reality show two times and this and that. It, it was kind of low, wasn't it? Yeah, I let him know that, you know, like, what that it was a very biased post. I mean, of course he's going to win, you know. <laughs> I think the votes are, like, 70 to 30 right now or something. But, I mean, it's it was just a very biased post, and it didn't make sense. I mean, I don't know if it was just, like, to show people that, you know, he should fight and trying to show the UFC that the people want, you know, him to fight DJ more than anything. But, you know, it is what it is. 
It is what it is indeed. Now, before we get out of here, Ray, I want your take on the three most anticipated fights of 2017. Now, first up, we got Aldo versus Holloway this Saturday for the UFC featherweight belt. What are you thinking, man? Man, I'm at, I've been looking forward to that fight forever. Honestly, I've looked forward more to Holloway versus McGregor, too. I mean, uh, dude, Max Holloway is just a fucking beast, and he I love his mindset. You know, I think he's, he holds the record and will forever hold the record for the most gangster thing done inside the octagon when he pointed, you know, to uh, to Ricardo Lamas and said, let's throw down, and they did. So that fight, man, I'm looking forward to. I, I definitely think Holloway's the future of the 45-pound division. And I, you know, I even tweeted about it, but, you know, obviously the the Conor McGoober fans all disagreed, and I, I, I tweeted that. You know, that when McGregor beat Holloway, Holloway was like a 20-year-old kid, 21 maybe. You know, he's, yep. he's a lot different now, and I truly think Holloway would beat McGregor this time around. Now, dude, for the interim middleweight championship, Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero. I mean, that to me is probably one of the best fights they could make, just talking about, you know, two top-level athletes, two of the top guys in that division, and now they're fighting for a championship, man. Who do you think has got the edge in that one? I don't know, man. Even when he's not cheating, for some reason, I feel like Yoel's cheating. I don't, I don't know why he just throws off that cheating vibe to me. So I don't know, man. I, I don't really know how that fight, fight's going to play out, to be truly honest, man. Uh, there's a lot of times I don't really pay too much attention to fights like 155, over 155. I don't know why. I just think, you know, bigger guys aren't as exciting and not as fast. But I think, uh, I really think I like Robert's chances in this fight. You know, he's, uh, he's got strong boxing, a good punching power. And Yorel Romero, he's slow on the trigger and he kind of, you know, he wins fights by these uh, real short explosive movements that knock dudes out, which, you know, then gives him an edge as well. But I think Robert Whitaker will pressure him more and, you know, have a, have a better game plan going into it. And last but not least, the rematch between Jones and DC. Does Jones simply have DC's number? I think so. When it, it's, it's just hard to see Jones, you know, losing anytime soon. I mean, We'll see how he comes back off after such a long layoff. But, you know, I do believe ring rust is, is all just a myth. As long as you're training, you know, ring, wars, ring rust, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't ever be an issue. I mean, you don't really forget what it's like to have screaming fans in your face and, you know, lights above your head. You don't forget that. So I think ring rust is a myth. But I, I, just, I just don't see DC having, a, you know, having any success with Jones this time around. I mean, he couldn't. I mean, I don't see where he's improved and excelled to beat Jones. I mean, I think he's still the same fighter as the first fight, so it's, you know, I still think it plays in Jones' favor. So, dude, if it were up to you, I mean, when, when are you challenging for this flyweight title? You know, if it's up to me, then I want that flyweight title August 19th in Seattle. Yes, sir. Well, we'll be looking forward. I, I hope you get it. You're the rightful number one contender. Ray, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Let them know where they can follow you and anything else you want to plug. Go ahead, man. Yeah, you know, I'd like to thank my thank my sponsors, you know, Honor Nutrition, uh, Virus International, and, you know, everyone who's helped me along the way. My my team, Jackson Wink, uh, Brandon Gibson, Winkle John, Greg Jackson, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, follow me at Tazmex UFC. Ray, thanks again, man. Have a great day. Thanks to you, too. Joining me now is top flyweight prospect, Devante Sewell. Devante, welcome back to After Battle, man. Hey, man, what's up? Chilling, man. Did you see uh, Alexander Gustafsson with those nasty uppercuts? 
Uh, man, he looked he looked great. He looked great yesterday. Man, it's good to see him get back to that footwork because, man, a lot of people were calling him the dominant cruise of the light heavyweight division. And I feel like the last couple fights, uh, you know, he was more stationary, but now it looks like he's uh, in prime form again. Yeah, yeah, he came back good um, after they lost to AJ. I think um, Glover is declining now. Man, the fight game is, is brutal and unforgiving. You know what I mean? It doesn't care who you are, what you've accomplished. Uh, father time catches up with everyone. Definitely, definitely. That's why I'm just trying to do as much as I can at my young age. Man, you're only 21, right? Yes, sir. Man, wise beyond your years. So, last time we spoke, you just made your pro debut. You know, things didn't go your way. You lost a, a close decision. But since then, you rebounded with two straight wins, two straight finishes. You submitted both your opponents. Now, let's talk about the first one real quick because, you know, this kid that you took on, D. Melton, this is a guy that you were initially supposed to fight in your amateur career. You know, you're getting wrapped up in the back room. And then someone comes in and tells you, hey, uh, you know, he's not feeling too well. He's not going to take this fight. This is 20 minutes before you're about to fight him. So, I know going into that fight... You know, you must have had, you know, I, I don't want to say animosity, but you you must have had some kind of competitive edge going into that rematch, right? Uh, definitely, man. Uh, since that first uh, loss, it just it's just been there now. The hunger just rises and rises. Man, when you go in there and you choke a guy like that out, you get your first pro win. I mean, what's the feeling like? Man, it's amazing. I just couldn't wait wait to get another one. D. Melton's a tough guy. He's experienced. You take him out in the first round. Then you get the call that you're taking on Walter Flores. Now, this is a guy. I've watched him on the regional scene. I've said many times, this kid is going to be in the UFC one day. And I was telling my friends before the fight, I was like, this is going to be fight of the night. Now, it wasn't fight of the night at all. It was performance of the night. You went out there and dominated Walter Flores bell to bell. Were you expecting that kind of thing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I trained real, real hard. And it's showing every fight, every fight. I'm just growing, and I can't wait till June 30th to show them again. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about your upcoming fight in a second. But real quick, about the Walter Flores fight. You know, there was something really funny that happened in the middle of that fight. And, you know, he did what's known as the Brazilian tap. That's when you have your opponent in a submission, and they tap one time. But they don't tap so the ref can see. They tap so that, you know, you let go of the choke. And you think the fight's over, but it's not over because, as you know, you're a pro fighter. The fight ain't over till the ref comes in and touches you. So was that kind of like a learning moment for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, don't let go of the choke until uh, the ref completely gets me off. But, yeah, um, next time I'm just going to make sure put him to sleep with it. That's it. Yeah, exactly, man. Now, has anyone ever tried that before on you, maybe in your amateur career? Try to um, fake tap. Yeah. Uh, no, that was the first first time experiencing that. You know, every fight you learn new things. So whether I win or uh, lose, I'm just always looking to um, learn and be better. Absolutely. And, I mean, we've seen the career progression. I mean, you're still only 2-1, and one, and you're only 21 years old. You know, you're still young in your career. But, you know, a lot of people don't know that you had, you know, you went 7-2 and two as an amateur, right? 7-2? and 8-2. and two. Eight and two. There we go. You went eight and two as an amateur. You got ten fights under your belt. Now you know you're going into your fourth pro fight, and a lot of people don't know you're taking on Jose Madrano at NFC 96. Now you fought this kid before. He actually beat you via unanimous decision in your amateur days. You get the chance to avenge that loss. You must be pretty pumped, right? Yes, sir. This is actually a fight I wanted right after um, 
after we fought. We fought in three days' notice, and um, the promoter said I would get an immediate rematch, and he didn't want it, I guess, but it's happening now, and this time I get to take his money, so I can't wait. Now, I didn't get a chance to see that fight. Did he Did he outstrike you? Did he grind you? How, how, how did he win that fight? Nah, I just made a few mental errors, and he just got one takedown that um, won him the last round. It was a cl- close fight. It was um, tied up going into the last round. Um, I feel like I grew within the last year, and um, people will see. Oh, so it was just a matter of giving up a takedown at the wrong time kind of ordeal. Yep, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's an important learning experience for you, in my opinion, man, because, you know, you got to know that even if you land the harder shots, you still got to play the game according to the judges. You know what I mean? Yes, sir, definitely. So now that you get the chance to rematch this guy, and, you know, this isn't an amateur fight anymore. This is in the pros. You guys are getting paid. I mean, are you trying to go out there and finish, Jose? I'm trying to go out there and finish everybody. Definitely Jose is the next guy right now, so... Protect your neck. Protect your neck. We on tour right now. Next stop is back in Kennesaw, Georgia. Man, it's funny because you posted a little snapshot. This kid, uh, he was trying to send you a nice little friendly message on, on Facebook. You were having none of it. Nah, nah. We ain't friends. Once you sign the contract, you're disrespecting me. So we're going to fight. And I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, literally trying to take food off your table. It's half your paycheck. All the bragging rights. I mean... Man, what's it like being a pro at 21 years old? Man, it's amazing, man. Um, every fight, like I said, I'm learning more. And I'm not letting no opportunity go to waste. Um, I let one opportunity go to waste in my uh, debut. And I'm never looking to feel that way again. So June 30th, you guys will see once again. The grinder. Indeed we will, man. I- I'm super pumped about it. Now, Devontae, before I let you go, man, you know I can't let you go without a couple fight picks, bro. So this weekend, Max Holloway versus Jose Aldo. I mean, this is a fight that we've been waiting for for years. Now it's finally happening. Who do you give the edge in that one? I'm going to go with uh, Max Holloway. Um, I'm-, I'm not liking Jose's right now. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go with Max Holloway. Um, I think... He's going to score a decision win over Jose Aldo. Close fight, though. Man, it truly is. And I, I need your prediction on two more because they've announced, you know, the schedule for the summer. And one of the matchups that got, that got announced is Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero. And when I heard that, man, I mean, just as a fan, how can you not appreciate the matchmaking? You know, it's literally the number one versus the number two. They're fighting for the title. And you don't often see the two best guys fight each other here we're gonna get that no one's being protected we're gonna have to find out who the better man is the question is who's the better man that's great um great matchup close fighter as well but you know what's gonna come down to it's gonna come down to five rounds you're well fading and i think robert whitaker knocks him out in the later round wow predicting a robert whitaker knockout very bold because as you know Yoel Romero, he has an affinity for finishing guys in that third round, as you've seen it throughout his career, man. So, you know, but Robert Whitaker, I mean, one does not simply knock out Jacare, especially after getting your back taken from him. So, very impressed with what they've both been doing. And, and I, I guarantee you someone's getting knocked out. So, I agree with you there, man. But last but not least, John Jones versus DC. I mean, is this a case where... Jones simply has DC's number, or do you think DC can make the proper adjustments and be the first man in MMA history to hand John Jones a legitimate defeat? 
I think anything can happen, you know, in a rematch, anything. But I'm going to go with John Jones. I think, you know, he's the greatest at 205 of all time. I'm ready to see John Jones win and the rematch of him and Gustafson. Man, speaking of Gus, I mean, we spoke about him already, but I'll tell you what, man. He made a case that he's he's ready for that rematch, man. He's ready for that title shot again. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was hoping he would win so that can line up Gus versus Jones, too, and maybe we'll see uh, Glover versus DC. That would be a nice matchup as well. Oh, that's a great fight, too. So you're saying, uh, assuming Jones beats DC, you want to see a little DC and Glover there? Definitely, definitely. I believe that would uh, be a perfect matchup, good matchup for the division. Man, I, I have to agree with you on that, bro. It totally would be. Now, Devante, before we get out of here, it's going down. NFC 96, you and Jose Madrano. How's it going to go down, Devante? Goes down with me, leaving with three wins, three finishes in three months. The youngest pro in Georgia. I will be number one by the end of the year. You guys will see. Um, that's it. Me leaving my hand raised. Jose taking his first L. Well, Devante, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's always a pleasure, bro. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media. Anything else you want to tell the fans? Now's the chance, man. All right, man. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at GrinderMMA, Instagram at TheGrinderMMA, and on Facebook at Devante Sewell MMA. If you guys could come out, come out June 30th at Electric Cowboy in Kennesaw. I'll be looking to make history. Hope to see you guys there. Thank you guys, all my teammates, family, the man above, and all my sponsors. And Daniel, thank you for um, this interview on Half the Battle. You got it, my man. Have a great day. Have a healthy training camp. And we look forward to NFC 96, my man. All right, man. Thank you. All right, brother. Peace. There you have it, folks. Dan Kelly, Ray Borg, and Devante Sewell. Thank you so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Shaq and I will be back later this week to break down UFC 212 with a very special guest. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.